I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 25. We will pick up where Pastor Cody left off last week in verse 19, working our way through the end of the chapter in a message entitled, Blessed Mess. Do you ever wonder why life is so hard? (laughs) One of us does, amen, right? Why is life so hard? Why is life so messy? You know, for our teenagers who are here this morning, that's a question that they probably ask a lot. Living in the world in which we live, having to go to school and study and deal with crazy parents (laughs) and crazy friends. Why is life so hard? Why is it so messy? And if you're a young parent, you laugh at the teenager, right? You're like, that's not hard. Hard is young kids at home. Hard is not getting enough sleep. Hard is trying to figure out why a small child is staring at your face at 2 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) It gets messy. And then those of us who are parents of teenagers laugh at you. So we're like, just wait till they become teenagers. You think being a parent of a little kid's hard. Wait till they think they're an adult. You have to deal with the relationship stuff and the school stuff and the sports and all of that. And some of you who are empty nesters, you laugh too. You're like, just wait until they leave home. And they go off to college or they end up getting married and they start having kids and you watch them the very first time discipline your grandchild. (laughs) And you're like, it's about to get messy in here, right? And then as empty nesters, you're caring for aging parents. And life gets messy and it gets hard. And as you're a senior adult, you look and say, you think that's hard. Wait until you can't get out of bed in the morning without things cracking and popping. And you look and you remember what life was like when you were younger. You think, man, this is hard. It's messy. It's easy for us at whatever stage of life, whatever season we're in, to think about life being like that, being difficult, it being trying, it being messy and hard. And the question we have to ask is, does God's word say anything about that? about how we are to live in those seasons when life is messy, when life is hard. Is it it possible that we could experience the blessing of God even when life is messy? What we're going to see this morning in the text is that that is exactly what we can experience. And so I want to read for us Genesis chapter 25, beginning in verse 19, as we see the writer of the book of Genesis lay out for us 
the continuation of the covenant that has been made with Abraham. It is going to continue moving forward. We saw as we attended last week Abraham's celebration of life service, and we're going to see that God buries his servant and the work of the covenant continues moving forward. Genesis chapter 25, beginning in verse 19. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted and Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. That you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. As we look at the text this morning, I want to encourage you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in these verses in Genesis chapter 25. It's this truth. We can experience the blessing of God regardless of our current circumstances. We can experience the blessing of God regardless of our current circumstances. 
So when we think about that, we first need to define what we mean by the blessing of God. And I want you to know that it is not primarily material in nature. Don't want to burst anybody's bubble this morning, but God's primary aim at work in your life is not to bring you material prosperity. You're like, but that's what they tell me on TV, and they're wrong. It's not the primary aim of God in your life to bring you material prosperity. Now, that very well may come doesn't mean material prosperity is wrong. In fact, as you look through scripture, you see that there are a lot of the people that God used in incredible ways who were incredibly wealthy. But I want you to hear me this morning that when we talk about the blessing of God in our lives, what we're talking about primarily is a relationship with God that we experience true satisfaction, true meaning in life, true contentment in our lives because not of what we have, but because of our relationship with God. Now here's what we know, that that relationship with God for us is through His Son, Jesus Christ. There's no way for us to have a relationship with God, our Creator, apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the entrance into the relationship with God. We've seen that play out for us through Abraham's life. Remember, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed the promise that God had made. Ultimately, Hebrews chapter 11 reminds us that it is the fulfillment of the promise of God in sending his son Jesus to this earth that is what Abraham trusted and believed that God would accomplish. So that means for us, if we are here this morning and we want to experience the blessing of God, it's not going to be in what God gives us financially. Ultimately, it will be in our relationship with Him. And if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you have experienced the blessing of God in your life. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, there's good news for you this morning as well. You can experience the blessing of God in your life through a relationship with Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and lived a sinless life on your behalf, took your sin upon himself on the cross and paid the debt that you owed so that your faith in Jesus Christ secures forgiveness of your sin and a relationship with God, the blessing of God. You may be tempted to think, well, if I have the blessing of God in my life, then everything from that point forward is going to be great. I mean, every day's Friday, right? We love to live in the blessing of God. We don't experience pain. We don't experience hurt. And you're like, Pastor, that's not real. And that's why I illustrated that for you. It doesn't matter what age you are as a follower of Jesus, what season of life you are in. You know that life is messy and life is difficult and it is painful and it hurts. I don't know if you noticed in the text this morning, but that's exactly what we see on display. The messiness of life in the text this morning. 
want us to note first and foremost this first truth that we see in verses 19 through verse 21 this morning. We can experience the blessing of God in seasons of pain and grief. Notice what's going on in verse 19. These are the generations of Isaac. So if you remember, Isaac was the son of promise that was given to Abraham and to Sarah, the fulfillment of God's promise to them that they would have a son and that through that son and his generations that would come after him, the world would be blessed as a result of that. We know that fulfillment is ultimately in Jesus Christ coming. And so at this point, moving forward, the gaze of the writer here in Genesis is going to shift from Abraham to Abraham's son, Isaac. The one through whom this covenant that God had made with Abraham would continue to move forward. But I want you to notice, it says here, Abraham fathered Isaac. In verse 20, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah as his wife. We saw that play out in chapter 24 in Genesis. The orchestration of God's plan and fulfillment of Isaac having a wife. But here's what we know is that for this covenant plan to continue to move forward, not only must Isaac be married, but he must also have what? A child. I want you to notice what happens. It says in verse 21, and Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife. Say, man, that's sweet. Why? Because she was barren. And I want you to lose sight of what's going on right here in the text. That Isaac is praying for his wife because she is unable to have children. Which should remind us of exactly where his mother was not that many years before. Remember, Sarah was unable to have children as well with Abraham. And here, moving forward, Isaac is married to Rebecca, and once again, she is unable to have children. If you have ever experienced that, or interacted with those who have experienced that, pain and grief is present. To desire to have children and not be able to physically have children hurts. And at this point in time, you say, there's a lot riding on this. What happens if she can't have children? Like, what happens if this continues? And at this point, it says that Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife. You know, barrenness in Scripture is a common theme. We saw it with Sarah earlier. We see it here with Rebecca. We're going to see it moving through the text forward with Rachel. You'll see it with Hannah in 
1 Samuel, you'll see it with Elizabeth moving forward into the New Testament as well. This is a common refrain set in the context of God's plan and God's purpose at work in this world. Which I just want to say to you this morning, if you are a couple who is experiencing this and walking through this, you do not have to do that alone. As a church family, we want to love you well walking through this. We want to lock arms with you, to come beside you as you walk through the pain and the grief that this often brings. We want to be there with you. What I love is the fact that Isaac prays to the Lord for his wife. He goes to the Lord on her behalf. And you may look at that and you say, man, that, that sounds great. Because if you notice, notice what comes in following that in verse 21. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Notice the next verse. And the Lord granted his prayer and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now here's what you'll miss is that the period at the end of she was barren. In real life terms, what we find out in verse 26 is that this lasted for 20 years. 20 years. They marry when Isaac is 40. And in verse 26, it's 20 years later. We may pass by that in the text and go, he prayed, the Lord did it, woo, let's go. But you'll miss the reality that it was a 20-year period of time of waiting on the Lord before this happened, where Isaac is praying for his wife, seeking the Lord for his wife's benefit, coming to the Lord in prayer. Husbands, can I just encourage you this morning? You will never be out of bounds praying for your wife. You and I, as husbands, should be interceding for our wife. As you think about that, as you think about the pain and the grief that they were walking through for 20 years, waiting on the Lord to fulfill the promise that he had made, what about you this morning? Are you walking through pain and grief today. Maybe it's not related to this specific situation. Maybe it's not related to not being able to have children, but all of us in life, because life is messy, because life is hard, we walk through seasons of pain and seasons of grief. What do we do? As followers of Jesus Christ, the great news that we have is that our Savior, Jesus Christ himself, Isaiah 53 reminds us, was well acquainted with grief and with sorrow. We don't serve a Savior who is not acquainted with what we experience in our lives. As we experience pain and grief and sorrow, he did too. 
And he doesn't look at us and say, well, good luck. I hope it works out for you. God opens his arms wide and says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me in prayer. Come to me with your grief. Come to me with your sorrow, with your heartache. Why? Because of our relationship with Him. God doesn't look at us and say, walk through this by yourself. Good luck, I hope it works out. He looks at us and says, I am with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm walking with you through this season of grief, through this season of sorrow, through this pain, through this hurt. So for us as followers of Jesus, we don't have to do this on our own. We can run to the arms of a heavenly father who loves us. We can look at a Savior who experienced what we have experienced in pain and sorrow who can identify with us. It's a beautiful picture here that reminds us that regardless of how messy and how difficult and how painful and how hurtful life can be, that as followers of Jesus, the blessing of God in our lives is that we are not in this alone. He is with us us. He was with Isaac and Rebecca through the 20 years that they were waiting. He is with you today as well. Say, Pastor, it hurts. The grief at times is more than I can bear. Run to the arms of God. Experience the blessing of being in relationship with him. Say, Pastor, that was hard. It gets harder. <laughs> and there's moments where we look and we think, man, is it, is it ever going to stop? Would you notice in the text as we move into verse 22 through verse 26, here's the second truth that I want you to write down. We can experience the blessing of God in seasons of doubt and uncertainty. You say, man, God answered the prayer. Rebecca conceived everything from that point forward must have been fine, must have been great. They must have been celebrating. Look what God did. Notice verse 22. The children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? And what she means by that question is, if God has answered this prayer and God has allowed me to conceive, why am I experiencing this difficulty in pregnancy in this moment? Like, I thought God was in this. I thought God was blessing us in this. Notice her response. So she went to inquire of the Lord. 
We see Isaac praying for his wife, Rebecca, when she's unable to conceive. We see that after she conceives in this moment of doubt, of uncertainty, what in the world is going on with this pregnancy? Why am I experiencing what I'm experiencing? She goes to inquire of the Lord. And notice verse 23, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first time twins is ever mentioned in Scripture is right here. Notice verse 25. The first came out red. All his body like a hairy cloak. You got to laugh at that. That's funny, church. (laughs) Clearly, the text is crystal clear. Every baby is not pretty, right? (laughs) I mean, I'm envisioning at this moment an Ewok from Star Wars, right? (laughs) Just, Just trying to jump in, grab it. First came out red, all of his body like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau, which corresponds with that. And afterward, his brother came out, notice this, with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. You see, at the beginning of this pregnancy, as Rebecca is walking through this, this somersault that's going on in her womb between the two sons. We Don't know until she inquires of the Lord what's exactly going on. And notice that the Lord answers the question and says, there are two nations in your womb, two peoples from within you, and they will be divided. One will be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. Now, we have the privilege at this point of looking back on exactly what transpired following this. And we'll find out that between these two sons, that Jacob was the son through whom the covenant would continue, not Esau, who was the firstborn. And that there would be strife within the home. There would be strife once they were outside of the home between these two brothers. And that moving forward, Nations would come from them, and the strife would continue. And the Lord clearly lays that out for Rebecca. She struggled with doubt, with uncertainty. What's going on? Does God have a plan? He's answered first and foremost, I've conceived, but what's next? And in God's graciousness, he lays out for her, here's what's coming. Here's what I want you to know is on the horizon. Here is my plan and purpose that ultimately will be fulfilled. I've not taken my hand of blessing off of you. I've not walked away from you, Rebecca. This difficulty, this Doubt, this uncertainty, is part of my plan and purpose. 
Which brings us to the question for ourselves. What happens when we experience doubt and uncertainty, when we don't really understand what God is up to? And the circumstances in our life, we look at and we think, what's God doing here? Why am I experiencing this? Why am I walking through this? We may be tempted in that moment to look and to say, maybe God's not working. Maybe God's not going to come through. And yet, we are reminded that none of what's happening for Rebecca in this moment and none of what's walking, you're walking through right now is outside of the providential hand and plan of God. We can experience the blessing of God in relationship with Him, not because we know the future, but because God knows the future. And we are in the palm of His hand. You know, as we look at the text, you may sit back and say at this point, whew, now it's all better. Like she's had these two twins. The Lord said, here's what I'm going to do. Isaac and Rebecca can sit back at this point and go, yes, praise the Lord. Not too fast. I want you to write down this third truth that we see and Verses 27 through verse 34, we can experience the blessing of God in seasons of chaos and conflict. Verse 27, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Verse 26, Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Let me just throw this out there at this point. If you have a sibling, this is always fun, which of you is your parents' favorite? parents, you ever had your kids ask you that? Which one of us do you love more? Which one of us is your favorite? Parents, there is not a good answer to that question other than we love you both the same. And yet what we see in the text is not that. We see it spelled out very clearly in verse 28, Isaac loved Esau. Rebecca loved Jacob. We see this conflict that was promised by God that would come between these two sons. We see it beginning to take shape in the home between them and their parents. And then I want you to notice in verse 29, it escalates. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Red man likes red stew, right? I mean, it's right there. Did you see that? I mean, they even called him Edom, which actually means red. Red man, okay? Verse 31, Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. 
For us, we don't really think a whole lot about what's going on here, but let me just spell this out for you. The birthright was something that was very important at this point in time in history. In fact, the birthright meant that the firstborn son would have received a double portion of the inheritance as well as the blessing of being able to continue as the patriarch of the family. So at this point in time, what you need to recognize and see is that Jacob, we're going to find out in just a little bit whose name or a variation of his name means swindler or cheat. Jacob is scheming in this moment. Esau comes in from the field. Evidently, he didn't catch what he was trying to catch or kill what he was trying to kill. He's exhausted. He's hungry. And he says to Jacob, who's cooking, I'm hungry. And Jacob looks at this moment and says, I'll give you something to eat. However, sell me your birthright for this stew that I'm fixing. Which, just remind us, that's a dumb deal. Okay? Not a good deal for Esau in this moment. And yet, verse 32, Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Which again, terrible logic. You ever had your kid come up and they go, I'm so hungry, I'm about to die. And you're like, you ate a snack 30 minutes ago. And yet in this moment for Esau, he physically thought, I'm about to die. What good is a birthright, an inheritance down the road I'm about to die. Verse 33, Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. He ate, he drank, he rose, went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. In fact, this is the moment we find out that God's plan is coming to fruition, this promise that he had made to Rebekah in saying, the older will serve the younger. And God's plan moving forward in history will show that it is Jacob through whom the covenant promise would continue to move, and yet there is tremendous chaos and conflict in the home at this point. Here's what's funny to me. Isaac prays because Rebecca's barren. Rebecca, when she conceives and is experiencing complications, prays to the Lord and asks him, God, what is going on? Here is what's absent in these verses with the chaos and conflict in the home. No one seems to really care. Which I think the question for us in this is, how could we as followers of Jesus walking through chaos and conflict, because hear me this morning, every family is a dysfunctional family. And if you say, not my family, you are the dysfunctional person in your family. <laughs> so no, pastor, I put the fun in dysfunctional, right? No, you're just dysfunctional, right? 
Which means that in this world in which we live, we will experience chaos and we will experience conflict. The question is, how do we experience the blessing of God in that? We're reminded, not because of the example we see play out here, but because of what we know is true about our God, that He is a God, not of conflict, not of chaos. He is the God of peace. And even when chaos and conflict are crashing all around us, which it will, and you may be here this morning, and for you right now, you're experiencing that. You can experience the blessing of God in your life, the God of peace who comforts you in the midst of the chaos and the conflict. The blessing of being in relationship with the Lord. As we continue to walk through the book of Genesis, we're going to see all of this play out at more in-depth level. But as we walk away this morning, my hope and my prayer is that if you are a follower of Jesus today, regardless of the season that you may be walking through in this moment, a season of pain, a season of hurt, a season of questioning, of wondering what is God up to, a season of chaos and conflict. My hope and my prayer is that as a result of your relationship with God, you would experience the blessing of walking with Him. Regardless of the circumstances, you can experience the blessing of a relationship with God. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, can I just simply ask this question? What's your plan for walking through those seasons when they come? And they will come. When there's pain and when there's hurt, how are you going to navigate through that? When there's uncertainty and there's doubt, who do you turn to? When there's chaos and there's conflict, how will you experience peace? And the reality is this morning, it will only be in a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Would you respond by faith this morning? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes. As our worship team makes their way back up, maybe this is an opportunity for you in this season that you're walking through now as a follower of Jesus Christ to take these moments ahead and spend some time in prayer before the Lord. Our altar is open. Our pastors will be down front this morning. If we can pray for you, we would love to do that, to intercede on your behalf in the grief and the hurt and the doubt and the uncertainty and the chaos and the conflict. We have a God who cares about us and opens his arms wide for us to run into them. Would you do that today? If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, This is a perfect opportunity for you to respond by faith. 
trusting in Jesus Christ for your salvation this morning, experiencing the blessing of God, the relationship that makes it possible that whatever may come, you are never alone. You have a heavenly Father who loves you, a Savior who has walked the road that you are walking and welcomes you with open arms. Father, we ask this morning that you would work in our hearts and our lives as we have an opportunity to respond to you this morning. God, that as followers of Jesus, we would respond on our knees. God, experiencing your blessing regardless of the season that we're walking through right now. God, if there's one here, and I'm confident there is, that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, God, would you grant today to be the day of salvation for them, where they respond by faith, trusting in Jesus Christ as their Savior, experiencing the blessing of a relationship with you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Church, would you stand? Our altar's open. Pastors are down front. If we can encourage you, pray for you. If you need to spend some time in prayer, this is your opportunity.